1: what good is my practice if I couldn't take it into the world mm-hmm. and so I, I got back into the business in a very kind of boutique way managing artists and mm-hmm. yeah it's all come together and and your work can be your practice and it always felt cliche to me but
2: yeah.
1: it's my experience right is that I can be in, in that world in a different way I can show up with a practice and I can kind of be steady, and I can be there with other people, and I can have an open heart, and it's been quite fulfilling to me to see how the the two worlds diverged.
0: Welcome to the Metta Hour with Sharon Salzberg, where Buddhist wisdom meets everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Be Here Now Network and features interviews with the top leaders, teachers, and thinkers of the mindfulness movement and beyond. For more information, visit BeHereNowNetwork.com backslash Sharon.
3: Hi, I'm Sharon Salzberg, and today I'm in conversation with Jason Garner. Jason is a former Fortune 500 company executive. He's a current spiritual student and author. Jason spent the first 37 years of his life working his way up from flea market parking attendant to CEO of global music at Live Nation, the world's largest concert promoter. He's worked with rock stars and sports legends in varying roles of live entertainment with a special emphasis on the Spanish-speaking market. After several significant losses in his life, Jason turned to yoga, meditation, meditation, Martial arts and eastern philosophy to so learn a different way of being in the world. In twenty fourteen he wrote the book And then I breathed, chronicling his unique journey. A warm welcome to the Meta Hour, Jason. Hi Sharon. It's nice to be here. It is so nice to hear your voice. We've <laughs> been friends for so long and it's been so long since I've seen you. Uh, although that's something I can say about many people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like everything
1: during the pandemic, right? Like, we just kind of fall out of regular communication. And But it's wonderful to be here, and I love you, and, and thanks for having me.
3: And I love you, too. So it's funny when I just read that about the Spanish-speaking market, because learning Spanish was one of my very early uh, aspirations for the pandemic, and I didn't learn a word, so it was really sad. <laughs> it didn't happen. Um, a few things didn't happen, but some things did. <laughs> um, can you share something about your journey to begin with
1: yeah I, I mean I think what you, that little description was a nice reminder and kind of exhausting <laughs> all in <laughs> all in one but you know like I was I was raised by a single mom and um, like I think all single moms she worked really hard she had <laughs> you know three jobs and my sister and I were you know, with her in a trailer at a children's home that she worked at in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that's kind of was the dominant story for me is watching, you know, this woman work really hard and struggle and, you know, not kind of have love and not have money. And so, you know, there was this story building inside me of I, I need to make money. Um, I need to become something i need to rescue my family and so i just worked really 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 hard you know and and um and, you know flea market and selling dictionaries and mm-hmm. selling roses on the side of the road and it just kind of this drive inside me never enough never enough and um became a concert promoter and then went to work at the predecessor to live nation and then just kept working and working and striving. And, and, you know, it was this obsession, you know, until at some point I'm, you know, 37 years old and I'm the CEO of global music, the head of concerts at, you know, live nation doing, you know, at the time, probably 10,000 concerts a year. And I'm in the middle of my second divorce. Mm. You know, kind of repeating mom's story, right? I've got mm-hmm. two, two kids. I'm raising them by myself now. And my mom uh, is diagnosed with stomach cancer. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of took the wind out of me. You know, it's just kind of like getting punched in the gut. Mm-hmm. And I took some time off to be with her. and never done that before.
2: Mm. And,
1: you know, life got quiet in a way, but, you know, it was noisy because there was this pain that was, that was brewing, but I just kind of sat with my mom and, and eventually, you know, she dies literally in my arms. takes her last breath in in my, Mm. in my arms. And, and then it's like, okay, go back to work. And I just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. I tried and I, I just didn't care. And, I, you know, just I remember like thinking you know, it would be like someone will call and be like, you know, the dressing rooms were wrong for <laughs> show. And then I would just like want to scream at i like, people are dying of cancer. You know, yeah, like, really? I don't care. <laughs> and so I, I just kind of worked with my boss at Live Nation. He was a good friend and found an exit that kind of worked for both of us. And so it was lucky enough that, you know, unlike many, many people, I was able to leave my job and have some money.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so then I just kind of sat on the beach and drank margaritas for a while. And that was totally unfulfilling. <laughs> and, yeah. and so then one day my, my former boss at the at, at live nation calls me and says, I, I met a spiritual teacher and it was cool. But the whole time I was thinking this is for Jason. And mm. so I went to see, that teacher and and i started learning yoga i started learning meditation and that led to you know meeting a whole bunch of teachers Mm -hmm. including you and Mm -hmm. and ramdas and you know tibetan teachers that you've introduced me to and zen teachers and and but it was just like that was it you know i just knew sitting in this room like oh this this is it i could feel oh this is that thing that i've been Mm -hmm. that i've been looking for and and really just kind of started this journey that I think is a lot about inner love and inner friendship and, and inner intimacy. And, you know, and I mean, what, what can I tell you, 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 you were the, the pioneer of that, of that journey. And, <laughs> oh, and yeah. You. And so, and so here we are and, and we're, <laughs> and friends and, yeah. and talking about it, you know,
3: <laughs> it's true. So yeah, I was going to ask, cause I couldn't quite remember if you went through, you know that incredible sorrow of your mom's dying and and the struggle with work uh, with any tools, but it sounds yeah. like they came a little later. Yeah, no,
1: I had I had none. I had a horrible diet and no no practice. And you know, I, I think probably I would have worried myself into a tumor in my stomach, like my mm-hmm. mom. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that that feels like a very honest thing mm-hmm. to um to say that that's where i would have that's where it would've been and, and i think in many real ways
3: meditation saved my life.
2: Mhm.
3: I understand that uh, that comment. Yeah. So uh it's interesting because you're uh you're working now and we we should talk about the pandemic too which was so uh interruptive of your kind of work. Yeah. But you know um so instead of those being too totally Different aspects of life never to touch your your yoga, your meditation, your spiritual life, and your work, which is in the music business, and concerts, and touring, and things like that. And it sounds like they've probably come together in some way. Is that true?
1: Yeah, it's really. I, I was on retreat in two thousand fifteen or sixteen. I did a, as you know, I did a, a one month solitary mm-hmm. retreat. And it was crazy. Like I, the every time my mind would wander, it would wander to to the concert business,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it hadn't happened for you. You know, I was out of the business for you know seven years at that mm-hmm. point. Or something. And I just decided. I just realized, like in, on that retreat, like that kind of isolating myself from work was no different than me working and isolating myself from from my inner life, and mm-hmm. every time. That you know, what good was my practice if I couldn't take it into the world?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I I got back into the business in a very kind of boutique way, managing artists. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it's all come together. And 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 you know, the thing everyone says like, oh, your work can be your practice, and it always felt cliche to me. But yeah. it's my experience, right? Is that I can be in in that world in a different way. I can show up and deal with the ups and downs and all the craziness that comes in the music business. But I can show up with a practice and I can kind of be steady and I can be there with other people and I can have an open heart. And it's, it's been quite fulfilling to me to see how the, the two worlds di- diverged.
3: I mean, it's really interesting. Cause it's like, you've got some components of some really hard stuff. You've got travel. <laughs> That's yeah. not easy as I recall it, it's been a few years, but you know, uh as you know, we were just, I was just talking to our mutual friend who's, who's in Europe performing and he said he, he came down with food poisoning, you know, and I thought, Oh, being on the road, getting sick, <laughs> there's that, you know, and then, and then there's uh an artist, you know, wanting to express themselves and be their best and needing support and conditions for that to happen. And then there's, the people coming and you want, you just want them to have a good time, you know, and, and, and leave in a better place perhaps than, you know, the one in which they arrived and you've got a lot going on.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of, um, there's all that. And it's also very sticky. Right. And there's, there's lots of, um, there's lots of kind of influences of stuff that I don't want in my life that are Mm -hmm. floating in and out of the space all the time too. Mm -hmm, Right. And, mm -hmm and I, it's really neat to kind of be present and to watch all of that that you are that you're saying and just to kind of watch where the mind goes and watch you know watch what is mentally attractive and what isn't and what turns me on and what, what makes me want to get angry and you know and of course we're human right so mm-hmm. It's, I'm not always like observing. Sometimes I'm just lost in, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like a like concert business. But when I am present, it's really neat. And it's really interesting that to be in the middle of that with a practice
2: mm-hmm.
1: and like, you know, an artist gets angry and I'm able to recognize, oh, he's hurting, mm-hmm. you know, and then have a conversation. You know, what? And I, I feel like you're afraid. What, what are you afraid of? You know, what are you feeling right now? Oh, I was. Th- okay. How can we deal with, you know that or to be able to put your hand on someone's heart and to say like hey we're here together and and Mm -hmm. and so it 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 really is like the the practice for me it really has shown up in a way that i think has made me better at my job and Mm -hmm. and more able to do those things that you were just that you were describing you know
3: so your book actually came out in 2014 and um, have you started writing another one or was that it for a while <laughs> now that you're touring around? Yeah,
1: I've tried, you know, I've sat down to write again and, and I, you know, I have bits and pieces. I mm-hmm. kind of think maybe at the end of whatever this chapter of my life is, I will again. Cause, mm-hmm. because I think it is, it, it is interesting, right? It, that, that book was written while I was kind of on sabbatical from, the from working, you know? And, and mm-hmm. so I, I think it's, it's, for me, it's wonderful. And, it, and, and I think it's a resource, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's something else that I would, that I'd like to say. So I don't, one of these days I will, I think.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a wonderful book. I should say that. and uh, Because, you know, that is more like words are my medium, my creative medium. And so uh, I'm never going to be on a concert tour, but um, I, I just consider writing very powerful, you know, as a, a way of, for one thing, you know, uh, time and space disappear because someone could pick up that book anywhere mm-hmm. at any time. And um, it's quite great. So, the subtitle of your book is My Journey from a Life of Matter to a Life That Matters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I know subtitles are more about algorithms these days than anything. Believe me, I know that. But uh, you, created something very important there, I think, which is the subject of, of Mm -hmm. meaning. And, um, you know, we've come through this time or at least partly through this time of a pandemic where I've had many conversations say here in the podcast about mental health and how to weather the storms of the pandemic. And many of those conversations, of course, the, the topic of meaning has come up because um you know if you were a school teacher if you were a therapist somebody who was used to meeting people in person and then you were not if you were a healthcare worker god knows you know things were really hard And, um as expectations broke and uh the things we've been counting on were not there sort of remembering who we are and where we find meaning in our lives is a very big challenge. So I was wondering if you could say something about that.
1: Yeah. I I mean, it was kind of a cute slogan, you know, (laughs) but, but it was real for me and it is Mm -hmm. real for me because I, you know, prior to kind of finding a practice, I had a lot of stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. I still have a lot of stuff and it's good. It's cool. But it didn't have meaning right I was I was kind of I was lacking I was lacking some kind of foundational okayness in in in, in my life and and what I found when I started meditating and, and studying spirituality and sp- studying Buddhism, studying Zen was that I just I started to feel okay within within this body and within this life. And I wasn't kind of arguing with my life as much. And, and, Mm -hmm. and it was neat still to have my stuff and, and it was neat still to, to achieve, but the, the meaning, the meaning was something much deeper and intrinsic and, and within myself. And I, and I think that's like, yeah, I think during the pandemic, this, this was a, it was such an interesting time because as you mentioned earlier, like, my business stopped Mm -hmm. and, and it was interesting because the concert business has always been what has shown up, you know, go back to Woodstock, right? The concert Mm -hmm. business is what we go to when our lives are falling apart and there's chaos. Mm -hmm. We have a concert, we have farm and we are the world. And, you know, and that this is where, this is where people find refuge and suddenly it went away and, and, I and a whole bunch of people I knew, and that was a very hard, that was a very hard moment. And I found all my friends in this, in the place that I had been, you know, let's say a decade earlier with your jobs taken away from you and you don't know who you are anymore, you know? And, and I was doing okay. Like I I was, of course it was hard, but I had this practice that I could lean on Mm -hmm. and, and was holding me. And I found myself talking to people, you know, it was the one I told you, I think, at one point. is like everyone was forced on retreat, but there was no, like, retreat leader. Yeah. And and so I noticed, like, that, oh, wow, I feel like my practice is holding me up right now, and people don't, you know, don't have a practice. And so that that subject of meaning, I think, during the pandemic took on a whole new, mm-hmm. all, you know, a whole new uh, value.
3: Yeah, it was excruciating. Like, who am I, you know, if I'm not? Yeah. And you know, the um, very natural kind of reliance we have on one another and just, you know, because I I read all those chats and, uh, and a million <laughs> different web things that I did. And, uh, you know, I, I would hear these stories in the chat, which were just horrific, you know, like I live in a nursing home and I haven't had a visitor in a year. Yeah. Or, you know, it was so sad. It was just so, or my kids, I'm a school teacher, my kids cannot learn remotely. They are so depressed, and I am so depressed. And you know, where's my value? And and uh you could see how much was being threatened or taken away from people. And um it was it was very, very painful. And I found that for me it was it was both going kind of big and small at the same time. It's like, you know, because Teaching, say, which is really my life's work, you know, along with writing, it had to take a different form, but it took a different form, which, you know, I had to learn. And uh, I'm still learning, actually. Um, and in addition, you know, one interaction, instead of being something I barely notice, you know, with a neighbor or or with uh, whatever form, whether it was in person if I was in New York or or here in Massachusetts or um, on the phone or or whatever it might be, you know, I I had to honor it as, I don't know, for all I know this is I'm the only person this person is going to talk to today, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and not to just discount it. It's like, Oh, it was just a, you know, casual thing or, and to really invest as much presence and like wholeheartedness of being in that little conversation as I might in giving a talk, you know, in front of like 1,400 people or something.
1: Yeah. It was really this time. I mean, I think it still is this time where we yeah. just start
3: started to really appreciate those
1: kind of connections and, and, and people that showed up for us, right. And,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and showed up for each other. And you're right. It was this moment of like profound separation. And then also like this really intense intimacy with the people that we did, that we did connect with, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and I think like, I don't know about you, but I think like, we've lived that kind of with people that we've had, you know, been on retreat with or, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and, and I, I found like that was, I don't know, I just felt like I had this inner resource during that time that was really beautiful to try to share with as many people as possible of you know, and all, and I guess too, it was also like everyone was calling me, going like, "Can we learn? How do you learn to meditate? You know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like well, just start by, let's just start by taking a couple of deep breaths, and we'll just like let,
3: let's just do that, you know, like yeah, really, yeah, <laughs> that's really true. Yeah. So when people would say, "How do I learn to meditate? Did you did you offer them mindfulness, or do you offer them loving kindness instruction?
1: Yeah, I think I mean for me, loving kindness was was one. I felt like it was missing in that moment, right? At least uh-huh. that it, this this is this is a practice that the world really needs, mm-hmm. and I just felt like trying to teach people mindfulness during that time was just a little too hard. But mm-hmm. I like
2: mm-hmm.
1: people are so judgmental. We're all so judgmental of of ourselves and competitive, and so I just thought. I don't know, like sitting in a corner for the first time trying to follow your breath. If that was a constructive thing to try to tell people, Mm -hmm. or if it Mm -hmm. was just going to turn into some other way that, you know, they were being hard on themselves. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I thought of you the whole time and I just, Mm. I thought loving kindness is a practice that one, we need. And two, I felt like it was something that was maybe easier with all of the intense stuff that was going on, you know, the carpet getting pulled out from underneath the world every day, Mm -hmm. but I could sit here and, you know, may I be loved and may you be loved. And, and so I I was sharing lots of loving kindness with people.
3: I know because I follow you on Twitter, of course. (laughs) And, uh, so much of, if there's like a, a, theme that reappears more than any other, it's probably you're okay. You know? Yeah. Like, uh, the hassle is not worth the hassle. You know, let's go underneath that and you're really okay. And it sort of reminds me, we have for the listener, we have the same uh, Tibetan teacher uh, amongst other teachers named Sakun Rinpoche. And in uh, Tibetan Buddhism is a very classical sort of description of our inner goodness, Um, which, you know, if we really could see who we were underneath the personality and the fears and anxiety and all of that, we would find this inner goodness radiating. And and that's a bridge too far for a lot of people, given how so many people behave and we ourselves fall into behaving sometimes. And and uh, I don't know if it's in response to that, but Sukhya Rinpoche himself doesn't tend to say inner goodness. He says inner okayness. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, there's something okay. There's something whole. There's something uh, full within me despite everything else. And, and it just seems to me you're always pointing people to that, that that's very essential to what you're trying to convey.
1: Yeah. If I, I mean, I, Christy, my wife, um, mm-hmm. always says that we're teaching others what we need to learn ourselves. <laughs> and, and so I think probably those, I find those words really comforting to me, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, and, and also I, I tend to have a little more cynical, um, you know I, I live in California, but i I never kind of bought into kind of the new wave you know mm-hmm. everything's great kind of affirmation and and i I find like it's okay to be a step I can take on most days mm-hmm. and and beyond that sometimes is it can be can be challenging and so i that's just a message that I find comforting to myself and and mm-hmm. And I think we can get to we can get to kind of a general okayness a bit easier than some of the other mm-hmm. more flowery you know more more idyllical teachings you know
3: yeah that's true yeah, yeah. well I'm a New Yorker so even though I don't live in California <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah I'm totally with you so do you remember when we actually met the first time we met I do I, I do um, too
1: <laughs> it was at Ram Dass's, uh retreat in Maui yeah. And I had I was convinced I needed to meet Ramdas, and he like just kept showing up for me and showing up for me and showing up for me. And so I had called um, his his guy, your friend Raghu, mm-hmm. and I went to the retreat with my family, and I had set up a meeting with Ramdas, and I meet Ramdas, and it was like cool, but it it wasn't what it wasn't it, you know. I was, mm-hmm. and, I, and I kind of walked away. A little disappointed because my my kind of spidey sense for that stuff I felt was like usually better than it, it <laughs> was, and, and so I just said I'm going to go meditate in the in the hall. And I walked in, and you were leading um a class. and And the the funny part of the story is that what I heard you say and what you said, wasn't exactly right, but what I heard just landed for me. And you said, you know, and when your mind wanders, that's the secret sauce of meditation. Uh-huh. Um, It's an opportunity to develop a new relationship with yourself. And What I heard you say was, you just welcome yourself back. Like, welcome back, Jason. I love you. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) So I told that story a hundred times to everybody I met. So one day you and I were doing a retreat here at my house and I told the story and you started to giggle. And you said, I'm a New Yorker. I did not say welcome back. I love you. (laughs) I really did not say
3: that. (laughs) Why were we just talking about that? Yeah. <laughs> and was that okay with you that you thought I said that?
1: <laughs> yeah. And I you know, I think really it was and you know, you described one of your teachers to me one time as your heart teacher. Mm-hmm. And and that's what forever you are to me. And so mm-hmm. I, I just heard this thing that had been lacking in kind of more rigid instruction I'd heard, you know, like this, you know, this kind of like kill your ego. Control your mind instruction and, and what you were teaching was something so much deeper and for me, much more resonant. And it has, it is the definition now of my practice, which is I'm sitting down trying to get to know the contents of my own mind and heart. Mm-hmm. And I've got to do that with compassion and loving kindness, or else I can just fall back in kind of that old killer instinct that I always, ha- always have in business. And suddenly, I bring that to my practice, and I, I think it's just a, its just too violent, you know. And mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. You, you, that moment changed my my practice. It changed my 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 life. And then we became friends. And mm-hmm. you taught me so much more. But that still that that essence of when I'm sitting, I can just be friendly with myself. I don't have to be so hard. I don't have to be so judgmental. And and when I am, I can be friendly with that. You know, I can just bring mm-hmm. this sense of okayness to my practice. And uh, yeah, and
3: that's beautiful. Thank you. And actually, good. there's several places I want to go with that. But I can remember um, you were uh, with your family, which is a blended family of um, you know different uh, races and ethnicities, and plus you had your kung fu friend there. Yeah. You know, and we used to say, like the group of us, like, who are those people? You know, they're, they're like all these kids, and you know, some are like Mexican, and some are blondes, some are you know. Like, uh, it was really, it was fun, you know, and and watching the children with uh, with Ramdas, you know, and and just the love that was there, and was so innocent. And, and pure, but uh, you sparked this conversation in my own mind just now, which was about business and like, how do you bring that sense of love into business? I mean, you taught me a lot. When, that time we went to visit Sonia at Mount Madonna and, and you and some other people in the room got into this conversation about a different bottom line and, you know, things like that. Yeah. And it was, it was really fascinating. I think certainly for me and I think for Sonia as well, you know, because, uh, it wouldn't be an ordinary conversation, I think, in his world.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think one of the things that that it takes is just some courage to to show up as a human. <laughs> Do you know, like I, uh-huh. I think I think we get lost in this kind of lack story, this story that only one person in the room can win. And to win, I got to take all the chips from everybody here,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know? And I, and I think one of the things that I really try to practice in, in my business is the sense that everybody can win. And that's a, that, which is a continuation of kind of your, everyone gets mm-hmm. to play. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I, I just think like, okay, what does everybody need here? And so often that when, once, once you can figure that out in the room, Everyone can walk away winning, you know, maybe everyone's not walking away, like winning the grand prize, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but everyone can walk away and feel good about themselves. And, but it takes compassion, right? It Mm -hmm. takes, it takes mindfulness of my own ego tendencies, of my own fear, of my own insecurities. And, and if I can hold that on my best days, right, when I can hold that, then I could, we can help everyone in the room, come out okay of this in this situation, you know? And I think that's kind of that, that sense of a different bottom line of, mm-hmm. it's not okay to win if the environment's losing. It's not okay to win if the employees are losing. It's not okay to win if the guy next to me who has a family and needs is losing, you know? And, and I went with my artists, we've started to talk a lot about the idea of collaboration instead of competition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how, how do I start to see other artists in the music business as collaborators and not competitors, you know, like as if there's one fan and we're all fighting over that one, that one fan. And I think it that, that while we're not all in the music business, we can all identify with that sense of like, I have to take everything out of this situation when really there's something I need. And oftentimes that if I could just identify the person across from me as a human and say, what does this person need? We can both win here. And mm-hmm. and and then that starts to feel different. I start to bring a different energy to work. And then I notice the people around me have a different energy and they're not as competitive with me. And before long, you know, it's easier to get to kind of this more loving place. Mm-hmm. And while it might not come with the word, I love you, or maybe it will, but you know, we have to go all the way there. We are suddenly treating ourselves with, with with more love and more kindness, you mm-hmm.
3: know? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, I think people would tend to equate commonly, just conventionally, business with endless competition mm. and ambition. It sounds tiring, really, <laughs> you know?
0: And I mean, it, it is we're true. are not happy, right? Yeah.
3: Exactly. And then we spend so much time at work, too, given that, you know, that that there's just this feeling of never enough and I'm not enough and I can never do enough. And, uh, you know, who cares about the customers or who cares about the employees? Let's just make enough for the people who need to make enough so that I can keep my job. And, um, it, it can see why people feel trapped, you know, in that.
1: Yeah. And we, and we are, and we're, we're trapped in, you know, we're trapped in old systems and old beliefs and, and that's what it is really kind of becomes cancerous, right? Where mm-hmm. it starts to eat itself, you know, and at the expense of of all of the of all of the players, of all of the people that that are involved. And I and I, you know, without kind of being like too kind of fairy, you know, unicorn about <laughs> about about it, I just think there is another way. But I think it just it starts with just humans being with humans Mm -hmm. and, and watching our own watching my own stuff, you know, so much of like what's going on in the world. It's just like pointing out there, talking about how bad those people are. And then we just miss our own, our own stuff. And like, you know, you have that whole thing about, can I, can I be responsible for these few feet around myself? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what does that look like when I'm sitting in a room negotiating if i mean what a change it is if suddenly i'm responsible for the person in front of me too mm-hmm. Do you know like what if, if i have to walk out of this room also being responsible for that person's well-being I, i'm probably not apt to say something cruel i'm probably not apt to try to take everything from this person i'm probably not apt to throw the last punch and 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 i just i just find that that, that approach is really helpful for me and you know I've had a couple situations over the last couple of years where I replaced somebody mm. where I became the new manager for an artist and in both of those instances the person who was the old manager was a close friend of mine mm. and and so I I really took it upon myself that this has to end well for everybody now that doesn't mean you get to keep what you had before. Right. The artist wants a new manager and that new manager is me, but I don't have to take their dignity. Mm -hmm. I don't have to take the victory lap in front of everybody. I don't have to take away their money. I don't have to, you know, Mm -hmm. there is. And so together in both of those instances, the artist, the old manager, the new manager, me, we were able to sit down and craft a scenario where everyone felt okay. Again, using that word, right? Everyone mm-hmm. felt okay. You know, I'm sad. I'm not the manager, but I feel okay. And what would the press release read like? And what, what if the artist made a statement about how valuable you were to their development and how would you come out of this financially that work, you know, and, mm-hmm. and just
3: because we treated each other with, with dignity. And I just, yeah, it's yeah. really wonderful. Like, because the overall, um you know, that's like very individual. And the overall posture uh is reminds me of what you did with Love for Live, which you know, where an entire industry was reeling with loss and uncertainty and and fear. And uh you developed this really fabulous project, which I was so happy to be a part of, and I hope we can talk about how it's living on. So why don't you describe Love for Live for us?
1: Yeah, Love for Live was really, is really just the product of the, the shutdown of the live music business and seeing all of my friends in the mental health crisis, mm-hmm. you know, and, and feeling really impotent. And then realizing I have this practice that I can share with people, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and I called you and then I called Trudy and, you know, together, we put this together and, and it's just a whole library at the time it was live, but now it's a library of free meditation resources that um, are kind of one-on-one talks like this kind of talk with, you know, you and you know many of the best meditation teachers in the, in the world. Um, and then meditation classes with a, with a really great teacher named Thomas Davis. Um, and, and it, and it was just born out of this desire of, I have to do something to help. And what I knew I had was meditation. And I just had to figure out how I could, how I could share that with everybody. And then it culminated in this retreat that you and, and, and Trudy led. And, um, it was just a chance to show up for one another. And again, that same message that you touched on earlier, of like, you're not alone. It's okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and here, you know, kind of here we here we are. And so we did that for 16 weeks and then archived it all. And it just lived there as this, as this resource for everybody. And now, you know, I'm partnered with other kind of people who provide support within the concert business. And we do monthly um, online gatherings where we teach, you know, meditation on the road and health on the road and movement on the road and just trying to show up for, all of the people in the concert business and artists included, but mostly like all the behind the scenes people that mm-hmm. drive trucks and put up sound and lights and, and just telling them like you matter. And this is really hard to, to, to do. And so we're going to do it together. You know,
3: that's so fabulous. I'm mean, one of my, probably my favorite question to ever ask when I'm invited into an organization or a company to teach is how many other people need to be doing their jobs well for you to be able to do your job well. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. everything is really like this interconnected universe. And of course, the people uh, behind the scenes don't get a lot of the glory <laughs> ever, you know? Yeah. But they're absolutely essential. And I didn't know that many people um, who are musicians, except, say, in Broadway, you know, because I, I am a New Yorker. And I know mm-hmm. a lot of people in the theater and, or uh, in the arts in, in some way, you know, not so much in the concert business, but it was just the same. It was like, there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing happening. And uh, it was so devastating in so many ways and watching people, you know, come together and care about one another and um, learn new skills, whatever that might be. And, and it was just, it was all together very moving. So I'm so glad that um, love for life is still alive and that it's still, <laughs> happening. I, I mean, because I was thinking, oh, you have all that incredible material. It'd be great to maybe have another retreat or, you know, somehow point people. I didn't realize that you were doing these things on the road, which is so wonderful. Yeah.
1: Cause I think, you know, one of the things that happened in, I think in every business, but I'll speak to the business that I work in is it was shut down and that was awful. Mm-hmm. But then when it restarted, it restarted with such a surge, you know, it wasn't like, I think we all anticipated it'll shut down and then we'll just kind of at some point slowly ramp up again. Mm -hmm. But as soon as concert venues opened again, every artist in the world wanted to tour, you know, Mm -hmm. because you think about, you know, we were suffering, but these people whose whole life, very much like you, Sharon, right. A whole life is giving to others and sharing my, this gift I have, with others and they were pent up in their houses and they were going nuts. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. all the artists hit the road. And so we went from kind of being at home, doing nothing to now workload is, you know, five years worth of tours is going to happen in one year.
3: Right. Right. And
1: so then I saw this new, (laughs) this new mental health crisis called I'm cracking under the pressure and this is, this is awful. And so just said like, let's keep going and let's kind of change the focus now from not, How do I sit at home with my thoughts
2: Mm
1: -hmm. now? How how do I deal with this crazy life on the road and keep up, keep a practice and keep some kind of wellness going, you know?
3: It's so fabulous. So, um, yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm up for it if you want to do something else for Yes. Yes. Let's do it. Uh, it's great. And thank you so much for joining me today. It's such a delight to, to come together. I mean, I, I feel so close to you and my friends, you know, that when I think it's been more than two years, how can that be? You know, it doesn't make any sense, but anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I agree that like the time just moved that, that whole time of the shutdown is like this blur. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's wonderful to be here. And, and I mean, what can I say? Just thank you for all the ways that you've touched our lives, all of us, you know, and, and this, pioneering entrepreneurial spirit that you, <laughs> that you brought, you know, with meditation and, and, you know, this is why we have loving kindness literally. And that's like, I, sometimes I, I, I you know, I'm so flippant with just like, Oh, sharing this and sharing that and on people's faces. They're like, Oh my God, you know, sharing. And it's like, <laughs> you just, you've, you've changed so many people's lives. And as I always tell you, like you're just, a, you're an entrepreneur because you, you took this thing that nobody knew about on this side of the, of the world and you brought it and you spread it. And now meditation's everywhere and not just meditation, loving kindness is in yeah. everyone's mouth. It's in the dictionary, you know, they, it exists. And yeah, yeah. It's so, so great. Thank
3: you. Well, thank you so much, sweetie. And thank you all for joining us. And, to learn more about Jason's work, you can visit jasongarner.com. It's J-A-S-O-N-G-A-R-N-E-R.com or www.loveforlife.org. It's love, L-O-V-E, the number four, live, L-I-V-E.org. Thank you to everyone listening. This has been the Meta Hour podcast from the Be Here Now Network. May you be safe, be happy, be healthy, may you live with ease.
0: Hey folks, thanks for listening. To learn more about Sharon and her ongoing teaching schedule, as well as online courses and a free guided meditation, check out her website at sharonsalzberg.com.